This is Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger, discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. Okay, welcome to this is a Rev Thoughts conversation, but Tim, we're also like, this is our weekly briefing as well. So I think we're killing two birds with one stone today. It's probably a good idea. We're pretty busy with plenty of client work and getting our producer masterclass up and running. So I know. I can't believe that's going down in 24 hours, um, but it's going to be awesome. I was going to say, I feel really unprepared, but actually I don't. I'm, I'm super fired up about it, honestly. Maybe because you did it for 20 years? I almost feel like you... I wouldn't even, you wouldn't even need any prep, Joel. I'm pretty sure I can just ask you a couple of questions. You can ask me a couple of questions. We can fill nine hours of production talk. It's simply because I suck so much at being a producer. I can talk endlessly about that. <laughs> exactly. People will learn from your mistakes. That's exactly that's all it is. It's like, that's all it is. The topic that we are going to tackle today is kind of fun because it totally jumps into some of what we're going to go through in the producer masterclass. And it's all this, I'm going to call it confusion around cost, price, rate. It's all the same thing. And we're here to say, no, it ain't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like everything else, if it's spelled differently, let's make it different at least. I, you know, some, I was thinking about this topic and the issue is, is that when it comes to costs, rate, and price, sometimes the issue is, just language by itself. Yeah. Right. Simply like what, what people are culturally uh, calling it internally and externally. Um, so that's some of the issue is just culture and, and understanding. Um, but what we're really, what we would like to do is really create some definition so that if you can systematize your language, then you get a sense of like, when I say the word cost, what I really mean is, and when I say rate, what I really mean is, yes. And specifically because when you're talking about a value-based proposition, your rate should not equal your cost. And by the way, your costs should not be based off of rates. So when I talk like that, and if you knew what I was, what it, it, the what the definitions were, it'd make a lot more sense. Well, right. And your cost should never be your price either, right? So yeah. Let, let, let me add a little context to like, why does, why, where does this confusion lie? And I'm going to put out a theory called, it comes from our past. Like, I think we business owners all got started at some point or another in a world where people would say, can you give me a price for that? And we start answering them with costs. So often this is the person who's an employee. They freelance on the side, right? They have their side hustle. It suddenly becomes a business, but they're still in this mindset of, well, I have a day rate or an hourly rate. So therefore I'll add up how many hours I'm going to do this. And that's what it's going to cost uh, to do this. And there's baked into that, like a pad or a margin or <laughs> again, I'm working on a glossary, Tim, by the way, I'm going to put <laughs> all this crap. Good. But what happens is somebody calls us and says, hey, what's it going to cost to do this? And we come up with a number. And th that number is based on inputs like time, right? My expertise over a certain number of hours, a certain number of days, and here's the number. Will you pay me that? Yes. And then we sort of don't ever know. We never wake up one day and realize that's actually a terrible way to come up with a price. 
until we're suddenly in this world called $100,000 projects and half million dollar rebrands and things start to break and there's confusion and there's frustrations and unmet expectations and all these sorts of things. So I just thought I would put that there as a context that we all came from that, but there's a better way. So that's my setup for you. Yeah, especially if you're talking about larger projects, as you said, value-based propositions, which is what the goal is, and avoiding commoditization, you have to get away from costs as a front forward-facing idea for your clients. Um, so let's just define what we think a cost is to begin with. The cost is the price you are paying for the engagement to some with someone else. So a cost of a service, a freelancer, um, would is what you pay out. Um, or a staff person might will cost you something. So based on their salary, you can calculate a day rate and you get a day cost for 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 them. Um, I think I just use the word rate and cost in the same thing. Sometimes like we fall back into it, right? Because we have these um, nomenclatures that we're stuck with. But we always like we always want to deal with the cost of like what our output's going to be for that person or that service that you're providing or you're receiving from somebody and the output that you have to you have to put. Um, a rate is different. A rate is the really the what the market can bear for that service with your client. So uh, it's a little bit softer to define. And there's really a sense of like relationship, history, and diplomacy involved in a rate. A cost kind of has some history diplomacy um, in it as well. But you're really kind of a sense of like, what can the client bear and what what's what are they going to accept as a rate that I give them? Um, so an example might be um, a, a Copywriter would cost you two thousand dollars, but your rate for that for that freelance for that copywriter on this project is nine thousand six hundred dollars. That's what you're giving your client nine thousand six hundred. Your cost is two thousand dollars. The difference between those two is a margin. So those are the two that I think that we want to define as clearly as possible, especially when you're building out some strategies and some ideas of how to create some cost controls internally with your production team and understand what the, how that works, um, but also create rates and internal um, pricing that you would have for your client that when you make something forward-facing, we're all on the same page and understand that strategy. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you, used, you just used the word internal because as a rule of thumb, I kind of hate the word rate ever being a client external facing thing. Again, there's exceptions. Um, that I Meaning you don't like to show clients your rates. If you can avoid it, you don't give them a budget breakdown, including rates. For sure, a breakdown. Like I will always recommend that a studio, when they get that, why does this, why does this cost so much? Okay. What they don't know is what they're really asking is why is that the price? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so hold that thought. Yes. But anytime, yeah, can, well, can you show me the cost breakdown? And, or they might even say, can we see your rates? My default answer, or what I advise people to say is, um, I can't do that. But what I can do is provide you with, right, like breakdown by phase or something like that. So you're giving them some information about, Okay, sure. The concept development stage is this and the previous stage is that and so forth and so on. 
but those are not rates. Those are still prices. You're saying it's going to be 8,000 for this part and 22,000 for that part and 45,000 for that part. And if they, the client pushes again, you're now you're in a more powerful position because you can, you can say something like, well, I already gave you the breakdown. And for me to go any further, I actually don't, we don't find that in our experience to be a productive conversation. It's really not helpful. So tell me what you really want to know. What is it you're really after? And I'll help you as best I can. But now we get to the question of, of price. And, and you do that in order to one, have some clarity because you're communicating with that client from the very beginning that you're a value-based service that you're giving them. And you're, ta- you're talking about producing something for results and you're not a commodity that they're hiring piece by piece by piece. It's not actually their discernment and control that you're inviting into the equation and, and you don't want them to micromanage that part of it. So setting a price for them and not giving them rates for ever the, all your line items is very helpful in that communication. But there are some situations, especially if you're working in the marketing world where there are co- funny cost consultants, where they're going to want to review your rates and understand, does it match what they're, what the market bears? Right. And that's almost like a whole like topic and course. And but in an interesting well, way, what I want, I want people to know here is, is just because you're talking to a cost consultant, please don't give them your costs. Make sure that you're giving them your rates. Your costs are what you're paying to someone. Rates are what the market will bear. And that's what you're negotiating with a cost consultant is what you think this line item is worth, why it's in there, why the time is in there, and what the results are going to be. And there's a good reason why some line items have higher rates than market value and some might not because of the kind of work you're producing and the importance of those line items. So let me put a bold statement out there that price has almost nothing to do with cost. I I could be unequivocal and just be like, price has nothing to do with cost, but I'm going to say almost. But I will say this, here's a common pattern. Your client calls you and says, hey, can I get a price to get this thing done? And your first thought is, let me go away and add up all the costs and then add some profit or margin or pad or whatever that thing is. And that's, quote, your price. And I think that is, again, what we all learned a long time ago. And it's time for everybody to unlearn that. Because what that's not factoring is several things. One, your expertise and the, the, the je ne sais quoi value of that expertise. It's also not factoring in the hugest variable in my mind, which is risk mitigation. Like remember, Tim, we were talking about the old adage, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM, right? Because if you hired IBM to do your $20 million, whatever project, and something goes wrong, your defense is always, hey, I hired the best. And they're the best. That reputation and everything is, is really, you pay a premium because IBM doesn't screw up. They don't fail. Okay, so that's always your card you can pull out and be like, hey, I hired the best, right? If something went wrong, it wasn't my fault because I hired the best. So I want everyone to realize, whatever your creative company is, when somebody hires you, 
the biggest reason they are going to pay a price and not something based on cost is because they're avoiding risk. And that's so valuable. When you're talking about a $100,000 or a million dollar project, that risk avoidance, meaning you are signing up, you the business owner, you are going to deliver no matter what. If the client changes their mind, if they change the scope, if they, the, the, they, they change their logo in the middle of the project, like you're going to figure it out. That risk avoidance, and you're going to produce a great product no matter what every time, because that's what you do. There is so much value there that has nothing to do with cost. Okay. Yeah. And, and you should get into your mind how ridiculous the question would be for someone to ask you to reveal your costs. It would sound as ridiculous as as an IBM client asking IBM, can you give me a breakdown of the cost of every microprocessor before I engage you? You Clearly, that's not that sounds ridiculous. That's not why you hire IBM. And the same thing should be why a client's hiring you. You don't, that's not what they're hiring you for. They're hiring you for the output, the known entity who you are. You have very clear positioning so that they understand who they're engaged with what the results are going to be that you always deliver on. And you're allowing them, like you said, Joel, to mitigate risk. They're able to understand that you're going to get it done no matter what. They don't have to do it. The alternative is, is sure, if you want to go to cost-by-cost basis, you say, you hire your own freelancers. You, you, run, you get your own insurance policy. You'd worry about your own stock footage clearance fees. And they're clearly not doing that. So you're saying, well, therefore, the price I'm giving you must have a high enough value what my costs are should not be related to that conversation. Right. You go be the director. You be the creative director. You be the copywriter. You be the producer. Like, dude, why are you hiring me? Okay. There's obviously some very big intangible value there. And, you know, your example of IBM, I would give another one. Imagine if you went to a brain surgeon who you know is the expert, has the reputation that can save your child's life. Are you going to say, can you give me a breakdown? of all your hourly costs and things like that. Can I negotiate that scalpel scalpel cost? Can I negotiate the price of the bandages? Right. Right. Like, well, do you really need to sterilize the instruments? You know, can I save a few bucks if we don't, if we skip that step? Right. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> right. Do we really need to work, use that operating room? Can't we use this one over here? Cause it's a little bit cheaper, right? The, the, the physician who's in that situation would look at you and just say, look, I'm, I can, I can save your child's life. I don't know, you know, I don't know what to tell you other than I think for you, this is very valuable. I think it's worth it. And whatever happens, like, I don't know until I get in there and I'm operating really what I'm up against. So I just need you to trust me and I'm going to solve this problem. Please give me the resources, all the resources that you have that you can throw at this. Uh, in order to create this most valuable result. And that's a little bit like the conversation you have with clients when they ask for a price, I would say this, instead of going to immediately thinking of all your costs and adding them up, just simply ask the question, how much money does this client have to invest? Like what's their budget? And there's a whole technique of extracting their budget from them before you ever so much as pull out a calculator and start adding up your costs. Yeah, let's touch on that same point this way too, because you said it in your bold statement that what did you say they the cost and another way people come up with their rates, 
that they're going to work with on the budget and to determine the cost they're going to give the client or the price they're going to give the client is that they say, I know I'll take the cost that I have and my splits are 50-50, they'd say. So if I have to pay $200 out as a cost, I'm going to charge the client $400 so I can make my overhead split. And then they, they're, what they're doing is they're limiting, potentially limiting what the actual market rate is for that person based on what their cost is. So again, like I was on a conversation late last night with somebody, their copywriter cost $2,000. The rate they're charging their client was $9,600. Their overhead margin is not that great, but the going rate for that copywriter, that's what, they're willing to, that's what the client was willing to pay. So there's a margin difference there. It, it also plays out differently where that sometimes your costs and your and the market rate are really closely related. There isn't a lot of margin on certain line items, but you still should bring on that expert and get the job done. Uh, it might take you less time if you bring on the right person, but what the what that freelancer might be asking you and the what the market will bear in a rate and a, and a price that you give the client is not there, there's not a lot of margin in there. And so what we say as, as business owners and producers, oh, in that case, I can't afford them. I'm taking this expert off my, uh, out of my solution. Again, you're hurting yourself. There are other things you can do when creating a bid or putting the numbers together to understand where your profit margins are going to be to recognize on a line by line basis, it's also not very healthy. Um, and you want to, you, you simply just want to produce your project within the margin that your company has and almost erase any any format, any any proposal that you gave the client when you do it, you recost that budget, um, that project for you internally to get the job done. Um, and I call that difference in the art and the science of the deal. Well, it's interesting. You're reminding me of a story where the um, Philippe and Roth uh, who run Moe Studio, and they're going to be in the the masterclass uh, tomorrow. So I'm excited to catch up with them. But I remember there was this moment in their story when they were learning about pricing and presenting options and anchoring and all these things that we, we try and teach. And to your point, Tim, if I had said to them, oh, you're about to pitch this new client on this piece of new business, just look at your cost, estimate your cost and then double it. And that's, that's a good starting point for a price. And that, that's probably not terrible advice. But however, I know in this specific example with the, these guys, when they were based in Brazil and they reached out to a big pharmaceutical company in the U.S., got a connection, got a meeting, did their presentation, their gold price, meaning their anchor, I think was 10x in terms of the largest, the largest project they had ever done. Their, their gold price that they presented to this client was 10 times that. So just think of the largest project you've ever, ever, ever done and multiply it times 10 and going to a client and saying, I'll solve that problem for you for that number. That's a big number. And their cost probably did not go up 10x. No, no that's, my, that's, right, that's why I love your point that you made. Because as I thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, if they had just started with their costs and doubled it or even tripled it. And here's, you know, what's also interesting that pharmaceutical company probably would not have accepted their proposal if they kept it there that because 
you seem like you aren't capable of doing it if you aren't charging what the market rate is or the expected rate is. It'd be like buying a Mercedes for $3,000 instead of $65,000. You'd say, there's something wrong with this Mercedes. I don't want this Mercedes. I want the one that costs more money because that's what I'm buying is that, I don't know, security that I'm getting the right kind of product and that I could resell it for some additional value, right? So that's how a buyer buys things. You don't want to reduce your ability to get- They were, of course- blown away because they thought, well, we put out this high anchor knowing they would never pay that much, but it made our middle price look very affordable. And of course the decoy, the low price looked shabby and dirty, and we would never pay so little for something that we need. Ironically, the client awards, like we love that gold price. When can you get started? They, you know, they were just blown away. And this is the moment when you realize, oh, the true value is needs to be the same as the price. Like if you get the value and the price aligned, that's what your client's going to spend. Okay, Joel, you were a business owner for 20 years. When you started your business, I know you knew none of this, right? You had to learn it along the way. Um, what What's the holdback that you had when it came to creating the right pricing for your client? Um, why did you resist it? What were you afraid of that you thought, oh, if I raise my prices, they won't love me. If I raise my prices, I'm going to mess something up. Was it that you were working with a certain client base that was that had too small pocketbooks and you need to you needed to realize, oh, if I want a higher price, I need to go outside the marketplace? Um, was it kind of um, like an imposter syndrome? Like, it just doesn't feel like I should be charging that much kind of a thought. What is the, I can see her. I got you thinking now. Look at Joel. He's I know. Well, I think it process. Was, I think it was a, I think it was kind of all of those at different moments. Um, but I can remember, I can remember a moment when I was trying to come up with hourly rates. And of course you, where do we get our hourly rates? Well, we get them from around the industry, right? We ask questions like, Hey, what is a, what's the going rate for 3d animation? And somebody says, it's $90 an hour. And somebody else says, no, it's 175 And you're like, oh, cool. Okay. I guess I'll go with the higher number, right? And But then you start putting those into bids and you have the whole breakdown of the hours. And then you find yourself getting into these long-winded arguments and debates with your clients about, is that really necessary? And what is this, that, and the other? Then let's say they award you the job and then you get to, at the end of the job and you realize that was all a bunch of nonsense, we didn't end up spending this many hours on 3D and that many hours on editorial. I have no idea what we did. We got the job done. And then I had that moment when I realized maybe that's actually all they really care about. And if I just stop showing all these numbers, we'll have a different conversation. But part of it too is the imposter syndrome factor of like, could I really command a high price? And uh, I can remember my team when I was, over the years, raising our prices, they would come to me and say things like, oh no, Joel, we submitted our bid and the agency said, of all the bids in town, yours was the highest. I think we need to lower our prices. And you have that moment where you're like, oh no, we're the highest price. And then I realized, wait a minute, when I go to buy a, a, a Mercedes, I'm kind of proud and excited that I'm buying the most expensive car because it's the best. 
I started to wake up to this realization of like, well, somebody in town has to be the highest price. Like by definition, somebody is always the highest price. Can that just be me? And I'll just tell everybody we're the best. And then when they hire us, we'll go be the best. Yeah. It's a, it's bold to feel that way. Cause you are living out your career inside of yourself. And externally, you're willing to accept other people's external facing qualities, but the ones that you're facing from the inside out are, are much harder to, to compromise with. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I, I, that journey, I think is so important to recognize because what we're really trying to do as Rev Think is give people the confidence that it does exist and you already are there. Um, one simple idea is if the client didn't want to work with you, they wouldn't be on the phone with you to begin with. They wouldn't be on a Zoom to, with you to begin with. They just wouldn't. Even if you did all the outreach and you set up the call and all they had to say is, yes, I'll be happy to do a half hour conversation with you. If they didn't want to work with you, they wouldn't be on that call. So you've already proven yourself somewhere to get onto that call to do that work. And now you're simply just acting that out. You're asking that client, what, what do you need? How could I work with you? And how could I create those prices? You know, you, you made the throwback moment I was having as I asked the question to you was RGA Imaginary Forces days, back when I was putting our bids together. Our bids were all done in Microsoft Word. They weren't done in Excel. And uh, we, we wrote it out. We explained what the project was in the first paragraph. We explained how we're going to accomplish in the second paragraph. We had a simple chart to tell them what their price was going to be. It was usually one or two sentences to explain what the prices were going to be. And we said, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. We would look forward to working with you. And that, that was the proposal. There was no breakdown. And we learned early on, we were telling the story. Why, what are we doing? How does it work? Why this is going to work for you? This is what the price is going to be. Feel free to give me a PO. And that was it. We walked away. Mic drop. So much different than trying to explain every single little bit and piece along the way. And it can happen to us all over in the industry. And when you're making TV shows, you can be stuck with one network that's asking you to do something for $2,000. Another work, network would give you $6,000 for the same work. And you have to know who you're working with and what that conversation is. But if you know what your value proposition is, you know you, which network you're going to go with. Well, there, there you're, you're talking about this idea of you don't price the job, you price the client. Because often if you're dealing with DirecTV or Disney or something like that, you're just in a different category. You're in a different realm. But that telling the story is a cool way to think of it because in effect, if what you're really doing is selling commodities, right? these are just services being done at rates and things like that. It's not a very interesting story, right? Like, well, we're going to bring in a couple gaffers and we're going to rent a soundstage and we're going to, you know, to turn on a camera and take a bunch of pictures. But I, I love this conversation because it starts becoming part of the creative process. Your proposal and your bidding and your pricing is all part of a creative process. It's who you are, what you do in this world, why you do it, why you're unique, and then what that, how that works as a value for your clients. That's what's more important than getting the formulation formulas on a spreadsheet correctly that can perfectly double or you know do 1.8 times the cost to make sure you're covering your overhead and all those other things that we try to do mathematically. <laughs> there is math involved. We're not saying there's not, but that's why you have to go to producer masterclass to figure out how the math works. Today, we're just talking about the ideas. <laughs> right, because once you get that number 
and you land that job, right? Now you go back to your team and say, okay, you've got about half the money to actually get the job done and make it amazing. And that's where the producers start sharpening their pencils and getting to work. That's right. Because there is. That's awesome. I'm, I'm shamelessly plugging it. Yes. As it's being pointed out. And that's it, Tim. I think that's our half hour for today. We did it. I'll see you tomorrow, two o'clock, producer masterclass. And otherwise, I'll see you next Thursday, weekly briefing. I see some thumbs up here from the crowd. People that are excited to be coming, learning in those spreadsheets out there. We're excited to have it. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, uh, finally, finally excited to be pulling it off and making it happen. It's been the long requested thing to uh, do the yeah. masterclass. So. We, and before we sign off, though, I do want to give some thank yous out there. Erich is amazing, by the way. If you haven't talked to Erich and sent emails to her, she does so much for us proactively and she pulled this show off today for us today. She was, we were both very busy and she kind of just kept us on task. So Eric for, for making it happen. And then Connor and Eric are also just uh, all behind the scenes on the masterclass. So we, uh, we appreciate the work that you guys do for us. Um, make a think tick. And then all of you, you know why we exist. We exist so that you can thrive in business, life, and career. So thanks for being part of this today. We look forward to seeing a few of your faces tomorrow and the rest of you next week. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com community. I look forward to seeing you there.